Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Tattoo of the seventh shield. Still wet on my skin. You're all crumpled up at the curb. There. I think I'm going to take you in. All right. So I have brought up many on many occasions since the early days of this podcast, uh, which came out the same year uh, as Aziz Ansari's book, uh, Modern Romance, in which he, he discussed this phenomenon. Uh, I have brought up on many occasions the idea put forth in that book that ours, the the millennials, uh, is the generation that is the most obsessed with reviews. And I, it's come up in a lot of different contexts. But Kevin, you came to us this week with... Uh, sort of like a review specific phenomenon that perked my ears up and then I wanted to talk about. So, so maybe mm-hmm. let's, let's give you the floor and, and, and let you sort of set the scene for us. Sure. I think with a lot of, a lot of the review culture, the thing that's kind of silly is, Oh, for like, if we're buying a sponge, we'll read all of the pros and cons and try to determine, you know, like what, what, the best sponges but something i think that's always kind of been around with reviews even before our internet review culture is um the score of of Mm. what you're reviewing and maybe like in for um music or a game or something and i actually had two specific instances kind of come up recently um one of which was i was wondering if the uh the new mario game for the switch uh if people were liking it or if it was if it was really good and if i should play it and so i just quickly looked up ign mario review and ign is you know one of the more well-known video game reviewers out there and i opened it up and there was like a 10 minute video i was like i just want to know the score so i kind of just moved to the end and you know it was like nine out of ten i was like okay great i'll play it and then uh, i just kind of i felt silly like about it and like of course it got a good score it's a mario game like i didn't really get any new information and i didn't watch this review and there was another instance where um there's this band i really like and uh or it's a new band and they they had this uh debut album i really liked it i thought it was like one of the best albums i've heard in years and i was just curious what other people were thinking about it and so i opened up a review from a website that reviews progressive metal music and I like didn't see a score and I was like, well, what, what did they think about it? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was looking for a quick and dirty answer and they refused to give it to me. And I, I kind of respected that. So I guess I'm just musing on the idea of giving something a score and how that's silly and absurd, but maybe useful at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it is, uh, the entertainment review always seems to like it has to come with some sort of, you know, way of of 
quantifying the qualitative value judgment that you're making, be it stars, be it a, a score out of 10, be it a score out of 100 if you look at like Metacritic or whatever, um, a percentage, Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and and I do like in, in much the same way that people only ever read the headline of news stories now. Like, I think I think that's kind of the same thing that's going on here. And yet it immediately made me think of times when I do a similar thing and I tend to do it with I do it in a couple different ways. But the, the first the first thing that I do, like if I'm when I'm shopping for books, um, I will go to a site called Kirkus Reviews. And Kirkus is like a, a sort of famous like industry leader um, in, you know, in the publishing industry. And they will kind of uh, like they'll review new books and their their big thing is the the real like editor's choice type stuff gets a star on it there's no other scoring system everything else is just like qualitative text but like if there's a book that i am kind of interested in but not really sure i will go look and see if there is a star first and that will function as like a like a filter of sorts not that i won't buy a book if it's not starred but that if I see the star, I feel confident that I don't need to go read the rest of the review because like a trusted mm. body <clears throat> has signed off on it. Um, and then if there's not a star, like I might actually read a little more and, and kind of dig in to try to, to figure out how they felt about it. But the other almost on the other end of the spectrum for me is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a little website called Pitchfork. Mm -hmm. um, who are famous, infamous, notorious, whatever you want to call it, for uh, you know for their music reviews in the 21st century. And I read a lot of Pitchfork reviews, but one of the things that I do is I look at the the number right up top, and it, it's at the top of the you know it's at the top of the page. Um, and one of the reasons that I, I do that is that Pitchfork is part of the reason that I said infamous and notorious. Um, they write a lot of really hyperbolic and kind of inflammatory uh, bad reviews of stuff, especially. They were, they were really kind of infamous in the mid-aughts for for doing that and giving albums like anything that had a vague sort of pop sheen to it like a 1.6 or a, a zero out of 10 uh and so i will kind of look and see like especially if i've heard something about a, an album i'll go look at the score first just to see if it feels like whoever wrote this review is in touch with reality or if they're doing a bit before I go any further. So like uh, that, that to me, like that feels like a useful filter for me is to like, look at these things first and try to, 
to use that to assess like how much weight should I give the rest of this review? Um, Pierce, Max, I, I, I don't know. Is, I, was, I was trying to, thoughts? I was, I, I was going to say about Pitchfork, it's like anything with the pop sheen or I believe Mumford and Sons, they just <laughs> out of, they just give a zero like anytime, anytime they can. But so I think the, and I want to get to something Max shared previously, but what, what you're talking about, and, and I like the, the Kirkus reviews situation you shared, Sean, because I think that that is, you're using a guide, but you're not letting a number without context mm -hmm. dictate anything. And I think that Kevin, I understand what you were doing too. And I do this as well. Sometimes when I look up, say, it might be on wire cutter and that doesn't necessarily give a number, but what was the, the item you said was best out of the ones you reviewed? And I might go and look, it's like, oh, okay, it's this. Let me click the button. I will go buy that as opposed to getting the context because the scenario in which I am using something and I'm talking about something that isn't really art as much as a practical item, a practical household item, maybe um, I'm still getting it without context. And, and I think that that is, curious because maybe the way well i want to get i think there's a bigger point here but if if we're looking for reviews without context i just want a number and that can be indicative and that's very powerful and everything but i think max you expressed some misgivings about this um and i think you know you've gone and purchased some things recently where you had to go somewhere physically and that quote unquote review really took a, a different form maybe and and maybe it was the specific instance but you wanted a little bit more in terms of your review other than someone on the internet that you have never met nor will you ever meet saying like yeah i like this game well i think i think for like retail stores there is this sense that the product on the shelf has been somehow vetted by the retailer like they're they're kind of putting themselves on the line and saying like we are selling this so if you go to like, I don't know, an Ace Hardware or Home Depot, that store is like putting their name behind what you're buying. And so there is like an inherent, maybe it's wrong, maybe it's misplaced, but there's like an assumption that like you're getting what you're getting and mm -hmm. if it doesn't work, you can return it to that store. Uh, whether you should or not, we can, you know, go back a few episodes and listen. But I feel like at, when you go to like an Amazon or, you know, eBay, it's it's the more like the wild, wild west and so, it, I mean, it's overwhelming. You search, I think Aziz uses the toothbrush as an example, but we said garden yeah. hose. You know, you search garden hose on Amazon. I don't know how many res like results come up, how many different hoses you can buy on Amazon, but I would bet it's a lot. <laughs> I would bet it's way more than any number of reasonable options people would need for hoses, which would be like no more than 10. Like a light one and a heavy duty one of like four different lengths. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably yeah. thousands. And yeah. so I, I think that it's easy to get overwhelmed with retail reviews online. I think for art, it makes more sense as like a barometer of like, should I even be interested in this game, book, movie? Like, oh, it got, you know, two stars on whatever, Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know what their rating system is, but like, okay, like people seem to agree this movie is trash. Like, I don't need to watch it. I don't know. Well, Rotten Tomatoes is a... No one knows what their rating system is. Oh, I thought it was like they have a everyone says 
did you like it? Yes or no? And then it's an average. <laughs> it's the percentage of people who said yes to do you like it? In and, theory, yes. Yeah. I think that is correct. Um, I mean... Uh, it, I, I, yeah. So, Max, I one thing that is important, and I want to talk about the difference between the places where Sean and Kevin got their reviews versus you going to Ace. So you said it. It's really important. So Ace goes there. This is our store. These are our products. We are putting these products in our store because we want you to trust that they are here. So there's that like handshake agreement is there. It's in our store because we trust it. When you have a pitchfork or or a um, IGN or someone like that, they're able to go out and they don't they don't have to they are not a store. They are just an engine that tells you how I feel, which is very, very valuable. I, I want to say that. It, it is. But they also have maybe, maybe they have an affiliate link in there. And so they can make a little tiny bit of money off of something that, that, they, that they like, as opposed to like the risk and, and what is being carried there um, in an ACE or a physical store or something is really important. And I think that we just talked about Amazon kind of gets the best of both worlds, which is like, we are this place, we are taking money from the seller that is not us, but also like you, you all peons and everything, as you buy things and review, you are kind of in charge of, of what gets upvotes and what doesn't, which I think is, is, is interesting there. And I would add one thing is like, you can say, well, consumer reports exist. Yeah, Consumer Reports exists, and they kind of predate a lot of this. But the way Consumer Reports made money is you subscribed to the magazine, and their job was to go out and do the research. And America's Test Kitchen also does that. And I think they kind of predate the way the, for lack of a better term, the blogosphere has turned into a review body with affiliate links. Well, this okay. So a couple other things that are at work here, you know, and, and the difference is that are involved. One is that, you know, entertainment is fundamentally subjective. And so the whole, the, the purpose of a review is very different for something like that, you know, for, for an album or a movie, as opposed to the garden hose, where the main thing you are looking for is, is this garden hose sturdy and does it have good water pressure? If you're looking for something else, like I, I'm sure there are subjective preferences in, involved in buying garden hoses. Like if you are really opposed to the kind of classic green hose color, maybe that factors into your shopping. But generally, <clears throat> you know, you are just trying to make sure that you get um, – a, a good or at least acceptable garden hose for your home. When you are running down games or music or, or, or books, you're trying to find something where the primary measures of success are purely subjective. Do I enjoy this? Does it, you know... Does it make me think about something? Does Do I like the character work? And so, like, uh, there there is inherently, I, I think, use, uh, uh, to, uh, to me at least, this is a personal thing, is, like, there's use 
to a review in that sense that I don't really get quite as much out of the Garden Hose review. Like, oh, you know, Wirecutter does a good job, but mm-hmm. I just go to know that, you know, something has an implied sort of seal of reliability behind it, um, as opposed to whether it's going to help me find something that I enjoy. The other thing is that Amazon in particular is a really tricky beast for this because we we forget sometimes that Amazon is a lot of different things simultaneously. And that's where this gets really dicey because one of the things that Amazon is is the big box store for the internet. It is the ultimate Walmart of uh, online shopping. But the other thing it is, and the thing that it makes a lot of money on, is it is an advertising company. And so it, it is, I find it almost completely impossible to trust Amazon reviews because there is not any particularly good reason to trust that a review on Amazon was not paid for in a way that impacts the the sort of the level of you know credence that you should give that review yeah max you were gonna say something yeah well i like that you brought up i mean that is very true with amazon that's probably true with really most online reviewing sites but i like that you kind of separated out the the more like subjective and objectivity of different reviews. The one is like, is this object actually what's being advertised to me? (laughs) Right? Like, does it work? The simple stuff, right? And then there's like, is this going to be garden hose, something that brings me enjoyment. And what, and so what, what what this brings me to is something that I, the probably what I use the reviews the most for is probably when I'm traveling, it is lodging and restaurants. And it's Mm. interesting because Mm -hmm. those both kind of fit in the middle of there. Where you're looking at the review on a restaurant or a hotel to be like, is this actually what's being advertised? I see some pictures like, is it, is this really it? Like, and sometimes it's like, you know, is basically are the details that the seller is giving me accurate? Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where you'll read the actual content and be like, you know, is this a safe neighborhood? And those, the kind of intangibles and things. But then there's also like, you know, is this place really nice? Is the food really good? And that's more like the the subjective piece of it. Cause it's like, okay, I've, I've, I've confirmed that this place actually does hamburgers. <laughs> Are they any good? But it's interesting. Cause I still use that as a barometer so much on like Yelp to be like, Oh, I'm not going to go to a restaurant that has two stars on Yelp. But to your point, like, is that, that has two reviews. Am I being ridiculous? Well, I don't care about no, the number. I, of reviews. Well, well, so I think that with, with a lot of these things, there's, uh, with all of these like non-art things or whatever, there's a I could spend any amount of money on this, and so to some degree, the this is also like a is this a good is this a good value? Like something that costs ten dollars could get five stars because you got a ten dollar meal, and there's some like, you could pay a hundred dollars and get a five star meal. Whereas like if I'm looking for a video game. 
they're all going to cost 60 bucks and it's like i don't really know what kind of game i want to play i'm just looking for like is this game good like yeah let me read a couple of reviews of a couple of games and maybe i'll pick one of those and maybe i'll use the score as like a well this one was an eight this one's seven like they're they're kind of this you know they all they all cost the same and there's like a different they could all have a different uh like value judgment but to but they arrive at the same like scoring system whereas like the 100 restaurant isn't on the same scoring system as the 10 dollar place so i think what's and we're, we're kind of getting to something i find important is there is this paradox here of we are consuming more than we ever have before in terms of there are all the garden hoses. There are so many games coming out. There are so many consoles. It's not, it's, it's not like we have just one or two options. So we're consuming more than ever. And we have more options than ever. And yet it seems like our choices are more important than they've ever been, such that there are niche, you know, prog rock review sites. Uh, that's, that's a thing that exists. And I, I wonder if, and and we're talking about, you know, we we Kevin, you didn't ask any of us about the Mario game, which yeah, makes sense. But if it was a few months from now, I don't know, maybe you would. Um, and I go to Pitchfork before I ask any of you about music or garden hoses or whatever. So we're consuming more than ever, but also the the decisions seem very pressure packed which is so strange and i kind of wonder if that has to do with everything we consume now feels like it's consumed so publicly oh did you play that game did you post something about playing that game and i know we're winnowing away a lot of our social media but there's a public nature to which we are consuming these things from the garden hose um and i don't even just mean that google and, and amazon know everything you've purchased but it becomes part of the story of your life. You know, what What are you buying? What are you getting the reviews from? That says a lot about you. So of course we're doing this thing, which is you need external validation before you make a choice in a way that I think historically people haven't had in the same way. Maybe they had it. Maybe it's like, okay, Better Home said I should buy this, but I think it's different now. Yeah, and you also have to like, Yelp and Rotten Tomatoes are particularly susceptible to this too. Like when you go see that restaurant that has the two star Yelp reviews, um, are you sure that that's people saying that the food is bad or is it just that the owner posted a pro black lives matter thing on social media once six years ago? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Does does the movie that or has like an they awful... refuse to seat my party of ten people at seven yes. p.m. or something? Right. Yes, <laughs> does, does yes. The, on a Saturday. Does the movie with a seventeen percent audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes have the audacity to have a gay character in it? Yeah. The shocking gall. Um, you know, you just you have to check these things for like, am I in the middle of a conservative backlash? Yeah, and that's. And, and that, I think, gets to an important thing, which is I think context really matters. You should read the review. I'm glad I read them at the Garden Hoses. Kevin, I'm sure the Mario game is fun. That's a known quantity. I, I trust that the Mario game is good. But even still, 
I think the context is important. I'm thinking about, for instance, you know, Oppenheimer came out over, over, I guess, the summer, and I went and saw it. And if I had seen, oh, people like the movie, it has a bunch of thumbs up and stuff. I was like, okay, I'll wait and I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> I'll watch it on my phone on the plane. Like, no, the context <laughs> matters. And one thing I'll bring up, and and you this you know there's there's an irony here and i haven't changed my mind but i sometimes you go on the all these these cooking blogs and recipe sites all over the internet and we always complain and they even have buttons and a lot of them jump to recipe just take me to the Those recipe buttons don't work and you know well <laughs> they they jump to the ad right the button should just say recipe. load 10 more ads <laughs> like so, that. but they so could that's the thing listen, they could work listen, correctly Listen, a lot of a lot of those folks, that's how they're making money. So I, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take the butter off of their bread. <laughs> All right. So so the thing is, by watching like Adam Ragusea uh, videos and Claire Safis videos, and especially J. Kenji Lopez alt videos, the thing is, is I realize that the context matters. If you are on New York Times Cooking and they have the write up at the top and they tell you about it, it matters because what happens? People jump to the recipe and then they're in those comments. They're like, why the hell is there mayonnaise being used to to marinate this chicken? It's like, well, if you read the damn note, you would know the context and it makes a difference. And if you're not taking in the context and you're just going for that number and you're going to go like, why is this an eight? It should be a nine and a half. Or why is this cooked at 425? It's like the context is super important here. And and I think that that's lost, understandably, in the pressure of consumption of today. Well, that, yeah, that's why, that's why I don't, I don't read Yelp reviews. I don't read, you know, and I, I don't really like read Amazon reviews. I fundamentally, even when we are talking about, you know, things where my interaction with them is going to be primarily subjective. I still want, if I'm going to read a review, I want something like Kirkus. I want someone, what I really want, if I'm trying to evaluate whether I'm going to enjoy something subjectively, is I want someone who takes time and has put, you know, either explicitly like training or has put a lot of practice behind being able to describe these things fairly objectively. And this is the job, you know, if you ask a a sort of like a cultural critic, like a music reviewer, what they, what their job is, they will tell you that their job is to be able to not only to talk about a work objectively, but to put it in, context and conversation with other things that are happening around it or other things that have happened before it. And so like for, for me, it's a matter of, can I get enough sort of at least objective feeling stuff that I can then allow my, you know, I, I think the the shorthand word for it is my taste, but really, it's like it's my my sort of amassed 
collection of knowledge about the things that I like and why I like them over time. Like, can I then process the objective information that you give me and use that to make an informed determination from for myself? I don't want the... I don't want the fire hose. I don't want the, you know, the hundred yahoos that reviewed a product on Amazon. I don't care. Yeah. I, I think, oh, go ahead, Max. Well, you say you don't care, but then there are situations in life where not caring still just automatically le leans to the highest review in a way. Like, mm. I, I agree with you, and I think that definitely makes sense for art, but I'm thinking back to, like, sure. the restaurants, and it's like, if I'm I'm driving through a town, and I need a place to get dinner, and I've got a couple hours, so I'm down to sit down somewhere, I'm already using Google Maps to navigate, <laughs> and so now Google Maps is going to show me restaurants, and they're going to do it by rating, and so I'm like, I'm almost subconsciously only looking at the top-rated restaurants, <laughs> and it's like, sure, if I had better context and someone who like put a lot of time into reviewing all of the restaurants in Brigham, Utah, maybe I would put in the effort, but at some point it's like, I don't want to put in that much of my effort. There's yeah. four restaurants yeah. above four stars and one of them is Mexican food. And that's what I'm in the mood for. So that's where I'm going to go. What about the Mexican food place across the street that has 3.6 on Google? Like it's not fair, but at some point <laughs> you're still going to give in to the, to the system. No, that's, least that's a good point. Maybe. That's yeah, that's absolutely I, a good point. And, and that comes into play when you are like when you have to make a quick decision, you know, because mm -hmm. if you know you're going through and it doesn't work for Brigham, Utah, probably. But if you're going through <laughs> like if you're going through Richmond, you can and you know that with a little time, you could like go to Style Weekly, which is the 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 local alt weekly here and you know look at the look at their their reviews or whatever you know those are mm -hmm. there are things like that that are available to you but yeah. yeah in in the moment when you are trying to like i've got to make a snap that's usually when i'm just mm -hmm. like okay whatever i'm just gonna go to taco bell <laughs> but yeah. on the other I, side I, of the coin i would encourage people to just not look at the reviews <laughs> and just walk down the main street of wherever you are and just pick a place that looks good to you. And don't but look Max, it up. I don't, don't have time. It's exhilarating. I don't have time. I don't it have is. time. No one has time for that. I mean, and if it's terrible, <laughs> you can go write a review. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't read it. Uh, no, I, I mean, I think this external validation in this, in some ways, disinclination to to trust yourself by walking down the street or or your pals. Um, I think. What's nice is, you know, having a consistent reviewer, whether that's Roger Ebert or or someone like um, but Stephen Hyden, who who you know the way they review a thing, and you know, okay, they're gonna talk about, they're gonna do a review on a prog metal, and I usually disagree with them on that, but like having that consistent barometer, and when we even have competition between Wirecutter and the Spruce and um, you know, Southern living for reviews of the same garden hoses. Like, well, I don't have that friend, be it the guy at the ACE or the, you know, woman who reviews movies for the Washington Post. If, if you don't have that, like all of a sudden it, it becomes this unwieldy thing. And I think what we've gotten to is reviews by people like us are 
those aren't our friends, unfortunately. They're people <laughs> who had an extreme situation. Um, so I, I get it. I, I get why you you skipped to the end of the video, Kevin, because that is the validation that, that gave you some amount of confidence in lieu of others, I think. Yeah. Um, all right. That feels like a, a good place to leave off. So let's transition now to Pierce's sorry. So I sent I sent a message to you all last week, I think as we're recording when this happened, and I happened to be at a, well, I, I can say I was at a Mellow Mushroom. I don't have to say which Mellow Mushroom I was at, but they are going through, these are, I've realized that these are individual franchises. There are many all over the place. And they went through an ownership change and uh, <clears throat> the, the menus were put down on the table. I was like, oh, I'm going to look at the draft list. And then they told me, oh, we're going through an ownership change. We don't have an ABC license right now. And I hemmed and hawed and, and you know, internally made a big deal and with you all about the fact that what's a mellow mushroom without an ABC license. And that was kind of silly. I, I didn't need to make as big a deal about it. I still had a very nice time. It was weird. It was different. The people in there were having a very different time than they do normally. But I should have allowed more space for for change, for a different experience. Because I've certainly had mellow mushroom experiences without people having, you know, beer and wine or Actually, I think they even have cocktails at, at Mellow Mushroom. But it's still a really good experience. And I should not have felt as weird about it as I did. Um, so I'm I'm sorry for doubting the Mellow Mushroom and, uh, you know, whining about it. This may be a dumb question. How materially different is pizza and no beer from pizza and beer? A lot quieter in there. And I like my pizza place loud. <laughs> fair enough um the server had to have the same conversation multiple times and there weren't many people in the restaurant because i think because it had been like two months so everybody else knew but me hmm okay that makes sense um uh, all right uh let's do a big idea from pop culture uh and after a hiatus uh the right time with bomani jones is back I'm pretty Yay. jazzed about this. Um, <clears throat> we're recording. Is he this. not employed by ESPN at all anymore? Or no, that, that this is why this is why he took a break. He he was one of the people who did not have their contracts renewed. Um, so stupid. So he's you know they just employ idiots. Oh, that's all, all they that's, employ. That's their kind of their business model now, though. So like it do, it wouldn't make sense to employ him anymore. Um, but his his podcast got picked up by the Wave Sports and Entertainment Network. They are, um, like they're the people behind the the Kelsey podcast and Paul George's podcast. So like it's now there. I think there's now like an increased emphasis on YouTube, uh, which is like you know that's not quite my favorite thing necessarily but i'm just i'm i'm glad to have him back um after a few months off so <clears throat> would would recommend that if you like you know intelligent sports thoughts um and i also want to shout out a, a story in the athletic um that sought to answer the question uh in soccer um of what makes a player a Rolls Royce. 
because a, a common thing in English soccer in particular is to uh, often refer to, you know, players who are, are merely really good at something as being like a Rolls Royce midfielder. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the authors of the, the piece kind of went deep and said, no, this is a very specific thing. Um, and we're going to tell you what it is. It basically boils down to uh, being someone who is large and has the capability to really sort of impose their physical will on you if need be, but have a skill set where they rarely need to. And I thought that was kind of a cool thing. So I'll uh, I'll throw a link to that in the show notes if you are uh, in in the world of the athletic and and want to know a little more about the Rolls Royces of of the sport. Um, <clears throat> Max, I know I know there was maybe not a trivia question for this week. Oh no, we've got something. <laughs> oh hell yeah. Oh hell yeah! Trivia on the fly. All Let's right. do it. I know. Was so he I know mushroom. You doubt yeah, him? We were talking about retail in general, and so I've got up in front of me uh, the top ten retailers in the United States by 2022 U.S. retail sales. Right. Just Biggest all retailers in the country. Okay. Revenue, so, you mean? Uh, this is total sales in billions of dollars. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yes. Not, not quantity of sales. But not, but just sales, just uh, retail sales. Um, number one and two, I think, are fairly obvious. If anyone wants to say what those are. Walmart and Amazon. That is correct. <laughs> number one, Walmart. Number two, Amazon. Then it gets a little more interesting. So I, I think the question is going to be, so uh, Amazon's number two retail sales, $232 billion. Coming in at number three with $164 billion. In 2022, what was the third largest retailer in the U.S. by total sales volume? We just got to come up come up with the the single thing right? i mean uh, yeah i, I, I can mean, give you options but uh, no no i think it's, i think it. it's more fun i think it's more fun yeah as you were asking the question i had i had one banging around my head like oh i'll try this so i i'm i have something that i feel i feel brave enough about I, i'm right. fairly confident that you will all name a company in the top 10 that's so nice. I, I think it's a, you know, there's no surprises here. Well, uh, okay. There's no s- significant surprises here. Okay, oh, that, might take away just... my, that might take away my, what I was going to say then, if it's not a surprise. Uh, I'm not trying to throw anyone off. Um, I'm saying there's no surprises in the top 10. The order of the top 10 could surprise you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think we should give our answers then. I'm I'm very interested because now I'm realizing how this could could break apart and fall down but what about sean kevin do you have yeah, a well, no, you're 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 the one who's confident you go first give me like another 10 seconds to retool my answer yeah, Hold on. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm vamping i mean it's obviously subjective based on we're not subjective but like i'm sure you're leaning based on where you shop i'm trying to think through like what are the contours of retailer like are there are there any limitations on what constitutes a retailer 
which means I'm overthinking it. What do you think? It. It's like a. You think I'm it's overthinking like a hospital? it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, no, I'm not overthinking it that much. I'm sure of that. Fuck me. <laughs> uh, all right. Should should I answer? Okay. You should. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. I I am gonna say Home Depot. My answer is. I don't know if there's enough of them. Costco? Oh. Oh, Costco is a good one. Um, my thought is that it is let let's let's say um Kroger. Oh, okay. This is the perfect result. Mm-hmm. Number 5 Retail sales of 146 billion is the Home Depot. Yeah, Num- that's that's why the Falcons four, are so good. Number four with total retail sales of 148 billion is the Kroger Company, Ooh. which means number three with 164 billion is in fact Costco. Wow! So you, you got so, all, so you got that, the top three. That's so pretty I good. Think that, that's pretty I good. think that one thing that's key there and is is. So Kroger, I'm sure, I don't know if that's just Kroger stores or what they own, but like groceries, everybody buys groceries. A lot of people buy home goods in like sort of home improvement goods. Those are also very costly things like appliances, everything. Costco kind of has all of them, but you have to be a member of Costco to shop there. So I yeah. think that that's, but as we've gone over, you buy a lot of podcast, expensive things at Costco. Yeah. Buy a lot yeah. of expensive things, and the you get a good value for money on that membership and having access. Whereas, there. and again, was Lowe's on there? Expensive. Yeah. So number six, Target. Number seven, CVS. Yeah. Number eight, Walgreens. Number nine, Lowe's. And rounding out the ten spot is Albertsons Company. See, I think with yeah, the Home Albertsons Depot is that Albertsons they have like a very area. direct competitor that mm-hmm. is. Close well, to that's like, gr- yeah. Think of all the grocery places in that that list: Costco, Walmart. Target, Albertsons, Kroger. Those are all kind of grocery-minded. I also mentioned, so Amazon is number two. Retail sales, $232 billion. Is Walmart Uh, like 500? Without going over... (laughs) Without going over, does anyone want to guess Walmart's 2022 retail sales? Give me the answer again. I I guess I'm Amazon's $232 billion. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm already on the record at 500. Four, four, five, four ten. I'll go 450. All right. So I did say without going over. So I think I have to give it to Pierce, but maybe Sean gets a point. It, it's 499 billion <laughs> 650 million. Does that include so you, like Sam's? You pretty Club? much nailed it, Sean. I don't know. Maybe I'll give it to you. Huh? Does that, I wonder if that like includes Sam's Club in there? Aren't they like the that same? That is a fantastic question. Company? Because oh, I didn't even think about that. For the that. other ones, it doesn't say like Walmart and company, but they do own Sam's Club. So, <laughs> well, that was that was a great question. It I was. It was a really things. good one. So. Tar- my, I was just trying to think of like is is grocery stores what we're talking Kroger's about here. A good Tar- call. Target would have been my other that. guess. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, I'll give Kevin the point, and then. Yeah. I, I know this isn't. I know. I said without going over, I'm giving Sean the bonus point. He really he made it. <laughs> okay. He's within less than half a billion. I mean, that's pretty good. 
Gotta keep it interesting. It, does, going it feels the earned. The holiday it feels season. Earned. Um, all right. I'm, I'm within I'm within half a billion dollars of the amount of money that Tom Brady, you know, is worth. So we're we're all close, really. Within sure. a half a billion. Um, all right. Do, do we want like a quick status update on trivia? Sure. Um. <laughs> so I have to refresh the percentage standings because Kevin has missed two questions. So that shouldn't take away. Right. Um, but Kevin has a total of 18 points. And Sean and Pierce, you are tied at 24 points apiece. Whoa. Oh, shit. Um, and we could do an Hell entire yeah. pod on. I have every date, question, answer, and who got it right or wrong. So uh, get some good data. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Christmas is coming. Yeah, right. I'll have to make it. Uh, I mean, it's only six points behind for the the. the I need some. Not so bad. I need some multi point. Yeah, point a, a five way. point question about radio. We only probably have like <laughs> we probably only have like three or four for the year, right? Yeah. I'm really glad I got all three uh, women's World Cup champions. Hmm. <laughs> Um, okay, right. that's the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com, uh, or you can subscribe to the show feed on your podcast app of choice. We'll be back again next time to talk about something else. Till then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Bye.